Amen. So we're going to continue with our series on our culture. And now we're getting to the point where we're talking about as a people who create legacy. And I would just like, to, like us to look at what we've done so far. So far we've looked at um, being present-centered people, which has really helped us to understand as a people we carry the presence of God. We walk with the presence of God. Then we went to the culture of honoring, honoring one another. From there, we went to a joyful culture, which is, um, as a people, God has given us joy. In fact, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, we went to the culture of being authentic, being real. You know, I'm man. I'm not God. So as man, I walk as man. But I've got God inside of me. I carry divinity. Amen. Amen. Then we went to the culture of generosity. Because everything we own and we've got has actually been given to us by God. Amen. Then last week, Richard gave us a dose on being courageous. The Bible says we should be strong and be courageous. Amen. But today we'll be talking about legacy. And um, every area you go to in terms, of, in terms of our world, legacy is actually key in organizations, in families, in societies. Anywhere you go to, legacy is actually key. When you study organizations, there's what they call the theory of legitimacy. When you study organizations, uh, they call it institutional theory. You go to a place and they don't lock their door. And you go there and you close the door. They say, no, no, we don't close our door. And you ask them, why don't you close doors? They say, we just don't close the doors. Now, it may be somebody 50 years ago has kept that culture there and became a legacy. Now, when we grew up at home, too, you find that happening. If you grew up in, a, I mean, my own type of environment where I grew up, you know, growing up, my mom, she's somewhere in the, in, the, in the service today. My mom will wake us up. We're going to the night vigil. Night vigil is the place where you go to church and you pray all night. So this thing starts from about 12 midnight till about 5 a.m. I was only seven years old. What am I doing there? <laughs> you know? But my mom would say, we're going to church and, and we, just, we just have to go. And I say, mom, I would like to sleep or something. And she just goes, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Come on, let's go. And, 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 and that's it. And, 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 you know, but if I go to church with her for night vigil, it's not as if I was going to join them to pray. You know, I would sleep. <laughs> but the truth is, the fact that I was there over the years brought something, did something to me, which has taken me to where I am today. Amen. So, talking about legacy, legacy speaks of a number of things. One of them is, is an identity. It's an identity. How you get to know people, you know, is an identity. It's another thing is, is an inheritance. Am I going to not be doing my mom 
I have that inheritance. I have that thing in me that makes me grow up and I want to pray. Then there's a purpose also. Amen. Now, in a survey, it's not that quite clear there. In a survey, and um, they try to ask people around, around Britain to say, tell us, how would you like to be remembered? What do you want to be remembered for? 54% of them said, I would like to be remembered as a good friend. Another 52% says, I want to be remembered as a kind person. Another 48% of them says, I want to be remembered as a trustworthy person. 47% says, someone who loved their family. And 46% of them says, look, um, I just want to be seen as someone who is genuine, who is authentic. The truth is, everybody wants to be remembered for something. And it's always something good in most cases. And um, I'm sure sitting down here, you like to be remembered for something. And that is the way God has made us as human beings. We have that, that yearning in our mind, in our hearts, to be seen as something. There was a story about a man. His name is Alfred Nobel. You would have heard about the Nobel Prize. Now, this guy was reading a newspaper, a French newspaper. And while he was reading that, he began to think um, it was the obituary of his brother, not him. His brother died in the newspaper carrying the information. And he was reading, apparently, the editor of the newspaper made a mistake. They were writing about him instead of his brother. And um, he had the opportunity of reading about the way he will be remembered when he dies. But he's not dead yet. Now, one of the things that was said in that newspaper was, the merchant of death is dead. And that is based on his job. He's an inventor of dynamite. So people perceive him as somebody who produces something that kills people. So they said the merchant of death is dead. And that did something to him that perhaps if I die tonight, this is the way my legacy goes. And from there, he spent his money, he invested in remembering people who have done something good. And that's how we have the Nobel laureate. I mean, you have Nobel Peace laureate, you have all sorts of, that, that was how that came about. He wasn't trained to be a Nobel person, but his name became now known for everything that is good, you know, around the world. Now, there is also the danger of not thinking about our legacy. If we are not thinking about our legacy, there is a danger there. And that is why the Bible says in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, after the old generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew 
of who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel because they do not know what has happened from the last generation. And because of that, they lost that history. They lost that legacy. And I'm, I'm going to be going into, into, into principles about legacy. The first one is the fact that we belong to God. All of us, we belong to God. So that whatever we think of ourselves, or whatever legacy we want of ourselves, we have to start from somewhere, and that's the place of belongingness to God. You see, when we understand that belongingness to God, we have a chance of creating an enduring legacy. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 9 to 10, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for their own, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That is our legacy in God. That is how God perceives us. It says you are a chosen generation. One version puts it that you are a peculiar people. Totally peculiar. You're not like the, any other person. God has created you and he has made you different. You're different. And in Christ, we have an inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, the Bible says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? Inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his might, we are Christ's inheritance. We can say we are Christ's legacy, as it is. Because the Bible says, look, look, that you may know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The next place we'll go from this first principle is second principle, which says we are called to be a people of legacy. That is what we are called to do. And that means, in terms of the work that needs to bring us there, that has been done for us. And that was done by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. It made us become a people of inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1, the same Ephesians from verse 11, it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Why? So that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also when you add the word of truth, the gospel of, of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And what is the Holy Spirit? It says the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. 
until we acquire possession of it. So that we have an inheritance in God and we have a guarantee for that inheritance. Jesus said, except I go, the Holy Spirit cannot come. There is a guarantee of our inheritance. The down payment of that inheritance is actually Jesus himself. When we begin to join the dots, from the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross, there was a process. And the legacy sat with the disciples, just told the disciples, come, let's go and pray. Let's go to the Garden of Gethsemane to go and pray, because it was about to be crucified. And when they got there, like me, the disciples were sleeping <laughs> while Jesus was praying. He taught them something there. Because when he left, they became men that pray. So that inheritance we're talking about, Jesus was the down payment, and the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. What is a guarantee? Guarantee, if you have done accounting or banking, they will tell you guarantee is, if it doesn't pay, I will pay. So the first act of payment is that person before you go to the guarantor. But the Holy Spirit is actually a document of our inheritance itself, which is the guarantee. That means we have something that is of value, of quality in God. Amen. And this is what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He says, what I received, I passed to you as of first importance. That was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3. What I've received, I passed on to you. That means we have been passed a legacy in Christ. We are called to be a people of legacy. And now, to the third principle, how do we create legacy? The first story I shared was about Alfred Nobel and how he created legacy. But as the children of God, how do we create legacy that lasts forever, that is enduring? The first thing I thought about was by passing well, first is to, is, to, is to passing on what we have received. What have we received? You can only give what you've got. You can only give what you've got. Now, if you have received Christ, it's good. What have you done with it? And by the way, if you're here today and you have not given your life to Christ, I will be so pleased to introduce you to him. I did that some, some 25, 30 years ago, and it's been marvelous for me. Amen. Amen. So, how do we pass on what we have received? The first aspect is praying for the next generation. Praying for the generation right after us. is a way of passing on what we have received. And that's in Psalms 78 and verse 4. I'm not going to be reading all these verses so that, so that we, can, we, can, we, can, we can move to the, to the next place. Now, the second thing is sharing the stories of God's power and works. It may be in your family. It may be in your office. Sharing the stories of God's power. And, and I mean, I was, I was teaching in one of my classes um, at the uni, 
And um, as a way of joking, I just joked in the, in the auditorium about the woman with the issue of blood that touched Jesus. He says, if I may touch the hem of his garment, I will be saved. You know, I was trying to tell him, look, if you can touch the hem of his garment, you can pass this course. You know? And when I was going out of the uni and, and getting to my car, a student came to me and said, oh, sorry, doc, um, um, can, can I have one minute with you? And, 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 and we, we, we stood there and he referred to that story in the class. And I explained the story to him. And he said, I mean, that he's been looking at becoming a child of God. He's been thinking about it. He's gone in, he's come out, he's gone in and come out. And I said, well, I'll be glad to, to be your, to be your um, introducer to God. Right? At my car, we prayed together, and we're still in touch. He's still in Christ. Amen. So, sharing the stories of God's power. Because the story of God's power is not about you. God will always turn up to defend his name. Yeah. Amen. The next one is about clearing the path for the next generation to be successful. That's very important. Are you creating opportunities for the next generation to be successful? Creating the path, opening up the way for them. A lot of us in this church, that's what we're doing. That, that's, what, that's what we do. Especially when you go to the children's church and look at what the people are doing there is clearing the path, creating opportunities for these kids to be able to succeed. And lastly, teaching and modeling God's way. God's way. Teaching and modeling God's way. Your children, what do they know about you? You'll be shocked that if you are a praying father, your children seize it. When there's a problem in the family, what do you turn to first? When I hear dad, we need money, I say, let's just trust God for it. <laughs> Even if the money is in my bank account, because the kids, they learn from what they're seeing. I learned a lot from what I saw of my own parents too. Billy Graham said something. He says, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money, but rather a legacy of character and faith. And that's very important. So today, what type of legacy are we creating? When you step outside of here, what are we going to remember you for? And I tell you something, um, the Bible says it's not of him that will it or of him that run it, but it's of God that shows mercy. We need God. We need God. And um, we are going to pray about this, but start thinking about it also. What legacy am I creating? Let's stand up together to, pray, to, 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 